welcome everyone to this episode of the Perfect Par Podcast. In today's episode, you know, if you're in Tennessee Junior Golf, you've probably met my guest at least once. I am joined by Tennessee Golf Foundation Director of Competitions, Rob Cherry. Rob, thank you for joining me today. Carter, it's a privilege to be on your podcast. I've been very impressed with what you've done and I look forward to talking with you a little bit here today. Of course. So, you know, like I mentioned, a lot of people probably know who you are and have met you, but uh, really, how did you, can you explain a little bit of your journey to how you got to where you are now, you know, being director of competitions with SNEDS Tour? Yeah, so I actually grew up playing on the junior tour. Um, back when I played on the junior tour, it was called the Vince Gill Tour. Um, and I played up through my senior year of high school um, and then went on to play on a, uh, I wasn't good enough to play D1 at the University of Tennessee, but that's where I went to uh, college in Knoxville. But they had a club sports team there. And I was fortunate enough to be president of the club sports golf team in Knoxville. So that was fun. It was kind of our own little fraternity. We would travel to different areas across the Southeast uh, and play against other club teams. Um, got to play Firestone, Pinehurst, just to name a couple courses. Um, so that was fun. And then upon graduation, I actually majored in accounting and finance. And a lot of my friends went to work for big four accounting firms. And I just didn't think that was what I had a passion for right out of college. So I interned with the Tennessee Golf Association uh, in 2014 and 2015. It's actually an internship called the PJ Boatwright Intern. Um, the internship is actually funded by the USGA. So I was fortunate enough to do that for two years um, to kind of get my feet wet in the golf administration industry. Um, I took a little break and then uh, was approached by the Tennessee Golf Foundation uh, in 2015 um, to kind of come in and help with the junior tour. Um, and I've loved every minute of it. Um, it's a lot of work, as you kind of touched on, but it's a lot of fun and rewarding seeing the improvement um, that a lot of these kids have um, kind of on their path to playing collegially. Yeah. So with the SNEDS tour, could you give us a little bit of history on it and how, how it's gotten to where it is now and what you've done to help grow it? Yeah. So the, the Tennessee golf foundation has had a junior golf tour for about 25 to 30 years. Um, as I touched on, Ben skill has had his name on it. Toyota, V Hicks, to name a few others. But in 2015, uh, we partnered with Brant and Mandy Snedeker to rename it the SNEDS Tour, which is for those people out there that don't know, SNEDS is kind of Brant's nickname on the PGA Tour. So that's where the name comes from. Um, but they really had a passion for junior golf and kind of giving back. Uh, Brant actually grew up playing on the junior tour when he was a kid. Um, so it's kind of his way of giving back. And kind of our mission at the Tennessee Golf Foundation and Brant Mandy's mission is to keep junior golf both affordable and accessible. And so we accomplished that through the SNEDS tour um, to keep our membership and our tournament fees down. Um, this past year, you know, we had a record year. We've kind of seen record numbers the last couple of years, thanks to COVID. I think who would have guessed that a pandemic would have sent the golf industry into uh, cyberspace, but mm -hmm. This past year, we saw just under 1,900 members of the SNEDS Tour. Um, kind of when I started back in 2015, we were around 1,500. So wow, we've seen about a 400-member growth um, the past seven years. And, you know, when I started in 2015, 
the majority of the tournaments took place in the summer months when school was out. And what kind of I wanted to do is to provide more opportunities year round for junior golfers, not just May through July. So what we did um, this past off season is we put together uh, more of a regional footprint. Um, in 2022, the SNEDS tour will actually visit nine states. Uh, among those will be four destination tournaments uh, starting here in a month at, in Sea Island, Georgia. Um, we've also got a spring break trip in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, um, a fall break trip in Hilton Head, and then a winter break trip um, in Panama City, Florida. So what I wanted to do is kind of, you know, create more opportunities throughout the year uh, for kids at an affordable and both accessible price. Um, so this year, um, our events will start in February and they will run through December um, and we will be in nine states. So right now we've had uh, record numbers kind of of registrations. Um, I think we'll easily be over 2000 members this season, which is crazy to think about. But, um, you know, it's great to see its growth and kind of all the potential that it has. Yeah, well, it's definitely grown a lot. I think I saw uh, a number on your social media. Uh, the day spring registration opened that you had uh, somewhere close to 300 more registrations than you had the year previously. Um, you know, you mentioned adding some events throughout the year to help create that growth, but what else specifically have you done to stimulate the growth of junior golf in Tennessee? I think adding more two-day tournaments. Um, when I started back in 2015, I think we had around um, – 22 day tournaments. And I think this year, this season, we're going to have closer to 62 day tournaments. Wow. Um, even for our younger kids, uh, we don't, we do two round tournaments on the same day for them. So I think everybody likes the two day tournaments because say you don't play your best the first day, you can always bounce back the second day. And a lot of our, um, you know, high school kids, um, they're familiar with the junior golf scoreboard. So for an event to be recognized on the junior golf scoreboard, it does have to be 36 holes or longer. So I think, you know, maybe cutting down on those one day tournaments and providing more two day opportunities for these kids, especially that aspire to play collegiately has been helpful. Um, you know, when our events fill up, those are probably our first events that fill up are our two day events. Yeah. Well, they're, they're definitely beneficial in a lot of ways. You know, me playing, majority of two-day events. I think I'm only playing two-day events with SNEDS Tour this year. You know, it really helps in multiple areas, not only with rankings on Junior Golf Scoreboard, but also, you know, some of your elite events are ranked by AJGA, which is extremely helpful for people wanting to play higher level junior golf. And also it creates a bridge for higher level junior events that are three, four days long, rather than going from one day to three, you're going from two to three. And so it makes it a, a much easier process. And I find that very helpful. Right. Right. And at the end of the day, you know, we're just trying to keep it affordable. So our, our two day rates are around 130 to $140. So as we know, golf is an expensive sport. So if we can just do our best to keep our tournaments and our uh, membership registration down, that might allow some, you know, kids to be able to afford maybe some more expensive clubs or to take more lessons, or we're just trying our part to, keep the sport down and cost as much as we can. Yeah. I mean, your, your prices, especially for the two day events compared to other regional tours in the area are at least half the price, if not more of the discount, which I think is absolutely exceptional for 
creating more opportunities within the game. But how do you really manage to provide as good of an event as you do while keeping the costs lower? Yeah, it takes it takes really an army. So while I might get a lot of credit, you know, I've got a great team. Um, Hanley Long, Andrew Rogers, uh, Lisa Bradford, and then Darren Reese uh, kills it on our social media kind of marketing side of things of getting the word out there. Um, but we just, you know, it's a customer service position and, you know, we want the kids and their families to have a great time at events. So we want them to be well run. We want them to be affordable. And um, what we've done this year is we've partnered with some companies, um, KPMG, Scott Insurance, um, and some other companies, Park Company to create a bigger feel at our tournaments. So we have like a T-back sign on the first tee. Uh, we have wind flags. We have custom tee markers. So as big of a feel as we can make our events while still keeping that price down is kind of our mission this year. And thanks to our partners um, that they kind of allow us to accomplish that goal. Yeah, well, it definitely, definitely helps to create some incredible events at, at that lower price. Um, so as director of competitions, what do you really do, you know, on a, on a day-to-day basis? I think everybody has a somewhat of an idea of what you do, but what is it exactly you do, you know, day-to-day to help junior golf? Yeah, so I kind of dip my toes in a little bit of everything. You know, a lot of people think that my job is over once the last tournament of the season's over, and it's kind of just the beginning. Right. Um, so this season we'll have 175 tournaments. So, um, you know, starting around October, um, when the season slows down a little bit, we'll begin reaching out to courses for the following season and getting those scheduled, which as you can imagine, it does take some time to schedule 175 tournaments, schedule tee times, everything that goes within an event. And then we have to manually input all that um, into our system. We utilize Blue Golf as our software company. So kind of uh, October to the first part of uh, January, we're, we're scheduling for the following season and inputting that into blue golf. And then our season opens in January, uh, kind of the first of January is when membership opens. Um, and then our spring tournaments open then. So kind of this time of year, we're ordering favors, uh, for the two day tournaments at all of our two day events. We give out a favor. We're ordering trophies. Um, we're hiring on our staff, um, in the summer months, it's kind of over a nine week period. We'll conduct, around 125 tournaments. So obviously the four of us in the office can't run all those. So we actually have 31 interns um, that help run those events for us. And those are primarily uh, golfers that came up through our program and are now playing at the next level. It's kind of their way of giving back and also, you know, earning some money this summer. Uh, We're pretty flexible with their schedules. A lot of them still like to play in TGA events. Um, but they'll probably work two to three events a week. So right now we're, we're hiring for those summer staff positions. Um, and then, you know, once the season gets going, it's creating tea time, it's marking golf courses, it's setting up signage. Um, you're kind of just dipping your toes in everything um, during the season, which is kind of February through October. And then it just kind of starts back over and, you know, we're always, while we've had success the last couple of years, we're always looking for ways to better um, the tour. I don't think you can ever just say we're going to stay status quo and keep doing what we're doing. No, that's not really how we work. We always want to make the experience better for the kids and their families. Right, right. And and making that constant change is 
you know, crucial in any business, but especially golf as much as it changed, as much as it changes. Uh, so for any of my listeners who might be interested in what you have to offer with the internships, um, what do they need to know and how, how can they reach out to you about that? Yeah. So, um, like I said, we do ask that they be at least a, a freshman in college. Um, it might be challenging to both play in SNED tour events and officiate at SNED tour events. So we like for them to at least be a freshman in college or older. Um, they can send myself a resume. Uh, my email address is rcherry, so R-C-H-E-R-R-Y at tngolfgolf.org. So just should send me a resume. Um, we, we like to conduct a phone interview. And then if that goes well, we conduct a background check on all of our applicants. And then, um, you know, we look to hire who we think will do the best jobs. So uh, appreciate you bringing that up because we actually do have positions uh, still available this summer in the Middle Tennessee area, as well as in uh, the Memphis area. Yeah. Well, they definitely helped uh, create the tournament processes, make them uh, nice and smooth. So uh, if you're interested, definitely reach out to Rob. Uh, you mentioned, you know, scheduling all these events, you know, 175, almost 200 events per year. How do you uh, plan out the schedule and really determine what to play when and at what courses? How, how does that process look like? Yeah, good question. So we're kind of at the mercy at the facility of the facilities. Um, it is a big ask uh, to get an event on the weekends. And, you know, unfortunately, with school being in session Monday through Friday in the spring and the fall, those events have to take place on Saturdays and Sundays. Right. So this junior tour would not be possible without our fantastic, um, you know, PGA, Tennessee PGA professionals um, that host these events. Um, because like I said, you know, their, their prime time is generally on the weekends um, is when they're getting their full pay customers. So to be able to allow the juniors to play at their facilities on the weekend is, is big, but you know, what we try to do is uh, I would say about 40 to 45% of our membership is based in the middle Tennessee area. Mm -hmm. So the bulk of our tournaments will take place in the middle Tennessee area, but obviously we want to, you know, provide some opportunities nearby. Um, so generally each spring we'll try to have at least one tournament in the Memphis area, at least one, one to two tournaments in East Tennessee, at least one to two tournaments in the Chattanooga area. And then the rest of them will probably take place in middle Tennessee. Although this year, you know, while we're trying to put that regional footprint on the SNEDS tour, uh, we've got an event at Sea Island, um, and outside of the Huntsville, Alabama area uh, this spring as well. So it's really just trying to, you know, cater to your membership. And we know the bulk of our members are here in Middle Tennessee. So that's why there are the most opportunities in Middle Tennessee, but also create some opportunities nearby because we know it gets expensive with hotel and travel um, constantly being on the road. So that's why we'll try to at least have one to two events in both the spring and in the fall um, in the different regions of the state. Yeah. Well, you definitely, I think you do a really good job of providing uh, plenty of events, no matter where you are in the state. But another thing I think you do really well is kind of dividing up the divisions, both by age and skill level. How did you really decide on your uh, skill level, you know, the tour division and the master's division uh, was that there when you came along to SNED's tour or did you implement that once you were, were in? 
It was. Um, so Steve McDonald uh, was here before me and he, he actually established that. And I think it, it still works well. Um, so kind of the, as you mentioned, we have 15 different division levels. Um, and so four to, so we start as early as age four. And so ages four to 11, you're grouped strictly off your age. Um, it's really all ability levels in each of those divisions. Uh, but once you kind of move up from 12 to 18, um, you're grouped not only by age level, but also by ability level. Um, so what we do is we have um, a page on our website that kind of breaks down the different, the scoring criteria for each of those 12 through 18 old year old divisions. Um, and what we do is let's say our boys 16 to 18 masters division. Um, it says the scores need to be 80 and below. And while we realize everybody has a bad day on the course, even the, the PGA tour pros do. So we allow for a five stroke buffer. Um, so the way that works is, that would take that number for that division up to 85. And for you to be bumped down to, let's say, the tour division, um, you'd have to shoot two scores above, um, you know, 85 with that five-stroke buffer applied. So we do our best. You know, with 2,000 members, it does get a little challenging um, to keep everybody in the correct division right out, right. Right, right out of the gate. I would say this past summer, I probably moved 80 juniors divisions. And it can go both ways. You know, let's say a kid starts in the tour division and they've really progressed from last season. They can earn their way up to the master's division. So right. um, obviously those calls are a little more enjoyable than the other calls. Um, yeah, I'm sure. But it's part of the job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of the summer events, which I think are great. But for some people who are, you know, just starting to look at SNED's tour, you know, it you have different events in the spring with the and fall with the open and elite, how would you compare those and uh, explain to the people who don't know what the differences are? Yeah. So our elite events, uh, we have five of those events um, throughout the year. Three of them take place in the spring and two in the fall. And those are really the highest events that we run. And when I say that, um, all of our other events are kind of first come, first serve. Those elite events are semi-invitational tournaments. What I mean by that is anyone is eligible to sign up for those elite series events, but it's all based on the junior golf scoreboard rankings. So to give you an idea, for most of our elite events, we have around 140 junior golfers to register for each of those. And only the top 66 juniors, 48 boys and 18 girls actually get into the event. So what we do is, you know, registration opens and then starting about three weeks out from each tournament, we'll send out these field lists so that the juniors and their families can see where they stand based on who is registered for each of those events so far. Uh, but to give you an idea, generally the 48th ranked boy uh, for each of those elite series events is ranked um, around 80th in the state of Tennessee. Now, you don't have to be a Tennessee resident. The nice thing about junior golf scoreboard is they have state rankings and also national rankings. So let's say we have a kid from Georgia register. We can take his national ranking on junior golf scoreboard and compare it back to see where he would fall in the Tennessee rankings. Mm -hmm. um, but typically the 48th ranked boy um, for those elite events is around 80th in the States and the 18th ranked girl, kind of the final girl to get in is somewhere around 40 to 45th. So you know, the way I like to compare them, they're kind of, you know, many AJGA events um, that we run. A lot of the same players, you know, play a lot of AJGA, AJGA events that play in those elite events. 
Um, and then as far as the open series go, those are first come first serve, um, open to ages 12 to 18 year olds. Um, we capped those at generally 72 players. So to give you an idea this spring, um, most of those open series events actually filled up in one minute. So, uh, <laughs> registration opened at eight o'clock and, uh, those were full by eight Oh one. So you can imagine, wow. um, our phone lines were blowing up, which I understand, you know, I wish we could provide more opportunities. Um, we're actually looking into that. Um, but it's crazy um, how quickly wow. those fill up. And then uh, in the spring and fall for our youngsters, our four to 11 year olds, we have what's called our prep series events. Um, those are primarily in the middle Tennessee area. Um, and those take place on par three courses. So the little course or Benny links. Um, and what happens with those is they're single day events, but they're, they, each of the juniors play uh, those courses twice. So they'll play nine holes, do scoring, have about a 45 minute break and then go back out um, and play another nine. But those are some of my favorite events. Um, I know you've caddied for your younger brother and some of those. Uh, it's fun to see the, the smiles on the kids faces, whether they sunk a long putt or hit a great shot. They just the enthusiasm is uh, contagious out there. Yeah, I agree. Those are definitely Really fun to be around. I honestly did not play golf at the age I would have been able to play those, but it's really fun caddying for my brother and seeing him enjoy his time out there. Uh, so the Elite Series events are kind of positioned as the road to the Junior Cup, which is another big event you help uh, facilitate. Uh, how did you implement, why did you implement the Elite Series in that way? And what are some of the other qualifications for the Junior Cup? Yeah, so the Elite Series events, um, there's kind of three ways to qualify. So the Tennessee Junior Cup um, is hosted by Scott Stallings, and I can't say enough great things about Scott and the passion that he has for junior golf. Uh, when he puts his name on an event, he really goes all in, kind of like Brant does. Um, but it's, we actually had our 10th annual Junior Cup this past year, and it takes place out at the Grove in College Grove, which is a Fantastic facility, Doug Oob um, and Mike Green do a fantastic job out there. Um, and it takes place uh, in September. And it's if you ask probably our top players goal each year is probably to qualify uh, for one of the junior cup teams. So the way it works is there are two teams. There's a team east and a team west. And the dividing line is actually Interstate I-65 that kind of runs down the middle of Tennessee. So everybody that lives, you know, west of I-65 can compete to get on Team West, and everybody that lives right east of I-65 um, competes to get on Team East. So each year, the teams are comprised of 10 boys and four girls, so 28 juniors total. Um, and the ways to kind of qualify for that the top seven boys and two girls on each team come from our Tennessee Junior Cup points list. So throughout the year, um, starting in Jan January 1st through, you know, when the Junior Cup takes place in September, juniors can accrue points, whether that be SNEDS Tour events, uh, TGA Junior Amateur, PGA Junior Amateur, any USGA event. Um, so the way they accrue points is they finish in the top half of the field. So each, each event is weighted differently. So our open series events are a level three. Our elite series events are a level six and so on. So the points for each 
top finish is the same. And then you multiply it by whatever tier level that event falls under. So for first place, it's 25 points. So if you want an elite series event, since that's a level three, you would accrue 75 points. But if you want an elite series event, which is a level six, you take that 25 times six and you'd get 150 points that would go towards the Tennessee Junior Cup. Um, so the top seven boys, like I said, and two girls um, on each team come from that Tennessee Junior Cup points list. And our staff actually computes those points. Uh, we post the updated standings each month. Um, and then the next two, uh, two boys and one girl on each team comes from the junior golf scoreboard rankings. So anybody that's already qualified under the first level, which is that Tennessee Junior Cup points list, is obviously ineligible to re-qualify under the junior right. golf scoreboard rankings. So it's basically the next highest ranked players on junior golf scoreboard. Um, and then the final criteria is our five elite series events. So not only are those elite series events weighted heavily, um, they're also the top point earner that doesn't get in under the two previous criterias can still earn their way on um, to Team East or Team West based on their, their high finishes in those elite series events. So that's really what makes those elite series events fun, not only the caliber of players that plays in them, but with so much uh, on the line for the Junior Cup. Right. So what, you know, with the first qualification being the points, what point number is normally kind of the cutoff mark? That is a great question. Um, don't quote me on this, but I think it's around like 300 points would probably be the seventh boy for East and West. Um, so if you kind of do the math, if you can play in a lot of those open series events, you know, and let's say you finish, I think second place is 20 points. So you'd get 60 points for each second place finish. Mm -hmm. um, and we have around um, 27 open series events this season. And that goes back wow. to us adding a lot more two day tournaments. Right. Um, so anybody that wants to qualify for the Tennessee junior cup, you know, my biggest recommendation would be, Try to register for those elite series events. I know they're really competitive to get into, but also play in as many of those open series events as you can. Um, now, I know the ones in the spring filled up within a minute, but we also offer um, we have 13 to 14 of them uh, this summer that juniors can register for. And those will not fill up as fast as quickly as the spring ones did. Yeah. So going back to kind of the overall facilitation of the events, you know, leading up to an event, especially a two-day event, what are some of the behind-the-scenes uh, things that go on that people or players don't really notice as much? Yeah. So generally, um, a week out from an event, I'll call the event and talk to the head golf professional and confirm starting times, um, confirm how much they'd like to charge for spectator carts, um, at all of our two-day events, range balls are provided. That's included in the entry fee. So making sure, you know, are the range balls going to be out on the practice range or do the kids need to come in and they'll be handed a bag of range balls? So kind of the first step is coordinating with the facility because we haven't talked to them since we set up the event, you know, back in November of the previous year. Right. So we, we reach out about a week or two in advance, confirm everything, make sure the website's updated. And then what we do is um, three days prior to the start of each event, we'll uh, send out the first round tee times. 
And also on that same day, so if if an event starts on Saturday, on Wednesday, players are receiving their first round tee time. They're also receiving a tournament information email from us. Now that breaks down, you know, how much spectator carts are, tee times, when will tee times begin on Sunday, um, how much, where they can purchase food and beverage during an event, um, the course yardage for each division that each division will be playing from. So that's typically on Wednesday. And then on Thursday, um, myself and either Andrew or Hanley will go to the facility. We'll mark the golf course. Uh, we'll set up all the signage and then we will uh, dot whole locations. If it's an elite series events or a master's two day event. Um, and then on Friday, what we'll do is um, our staff will print out the rule sheet and the whole location sheets. Um, we will load up our vehicle, uh, which we actually have a, a truck and a trailer now uh, that we load up. And then um, we'll uh, print out all the scorecards and really make sure kind of all of our ducks are in a row. And then typically uh, our staff arrives on site the morning of the tournament about an hour and a half ahead of time. So, say an event you know, starts at eight o'clock. We're generally there by 6.30. Um, we're setting up the range. We're putting up our wind flags. We're putting out our range dividers. Um, then our staff rides out and sets the T markers, uh, makes sure that the course is in good shape and, you know, maybe draws any drop zones that need to be put out. Um, and then, you know, we're really, we want to make sure we're ready to go you know, by about 20 minutes ahead of time, you know, our coolers are on the first tee, any snacks are on the first tee. Um, and then typically our pace of play is um, four and a half to five hours, I would say. So typically, let's say our tee time started eight o'clock, our last tee time is probably around 11, 1130. Um, the last group will probably finish that day around four o'clock. Um, and then we have to do a repair uh, for the second round. So our staff will do that on the computer. We'll head back to the office, um, pick up our scorecards for the following day, our rule sheets, anything else we need to pick up. So typically it's, they're long days, um, especially, you know, if you throw in a weather delay, um, that can obviously make things much more challenging, but um, they're long days. But if you really, you know, myself, Hanley, Andrew, Lisa, we all have a passion for this. So when you've got a passion for something kind of like you do with your, with your podcasting, you really don't view it as work. Right. Um, you, you, it, you view it as, you know, fulfilling, you know, giving back to something you actually played on as a kid. And, you know, the future of junior golf in Tennessee could not be brighter. Um, we currently rank in the top five in both boys and girls uh, rankings, according to junior golf scoreboard. Um, I think we're behind California, Florida, Georgia and Texas. So if you look at all the populations of those four states to Tennessee, right. I mean, it's crazy that we're in the top five. Right. Yeah. Well, and you touched on pace of play, which me playing many different tours is one of the make or break things and your experience on the tour and your willingness to come back. And with all the SNEDS tour events I've played, you know, almost all of them, really all of them have been positive pace of play experiences how do you really ensure, you know, pace of play is maintained on the course along with dealing with, you know, individual rulings? Yeah, great question. Um, it's all, it's kind of challenging sometimes because, you know, maybe you don't know if a player just lost a ball and a group was looking for a lost ball for, 
three to four minutes. Um, you don't know if maybe a kid, you know, we all have bad holes. Um, right. so when I, when I come up on a group, I generally don't approach them during the play of a hole. I wait until the group has completed that hole. And what I'll kind of say is, you know, Hey guys, um, have we had a lost ball or, um, and they'll generally say, yeah, you know, we were looking for his ball in the woods over there or no, you know, we're just dragging behind and I'll say, okay, well, let's do our best um, to kind of pick it up because that next group is, you know, two holes ahead of you. So you can't say anything um, to a group unless an entire hole is open. So let's say there's a group on the green and that group's on the tee. I can't say anything to them unless that hole is completely open. So what I'll do, let's say I, I said that to them walking to the sixth tee. I'll either follow them myself or I'll radio to a staff member to kind of keep an eye on them over the next couple holes. Mm-hmm. And what I like to do is kind of, you know, what I said is, hey, guys, let's try to pick it up. It's not an official warning yet, but it's like, hey, let's try to play faster. Because as you know, once one group gets behind, it's really a domino effect and it affects every group behind them. So let's say what I'll do is I'll ride with them the sixth hole. Um, let's say they're not gaining any ground on the group in front of them. You know, give them another chance on the seventh hole. Um, really not gaining any ground. Well, then on as they're walking to the eighth tee, um, I'm going to say, all right, guys, this is your official warning. Um, you need to get back in position. If you're not back in position by the 10th hole, I generally give them two holes to make up the ground. Mm-hmm. If you're not back in position by the 10th tee, you know, your group is going to be subject to timing. And generally, once you give them that official warning, that gets their attention. I've had kids start running to their golf balls. It's kind of comical <laughs> to watch. Um, but so let's say, you know, they did, you know, they're they're starting to run now and they get back in position. You know, generally what I'll tell them on the 10th tee is like, hey, guys, I appreciate you getting back in position and getting caught up with that group in front of you. You know, just keep these pace of play principles in mind, you know, the rest of your round and keep up with that group in front of you. But let's say they don't. Um, and I think this is the biggest misnomer on um, pace of play is they think the whole group is going to be penalized. So let's say that group didn't make up time and I get to them on the 10th tee. I'm going to say, all right, guys, you know, unfortunately, there's still that two hole gap between you and that group in front of you. Your group is now subject to being timed. Mm-hmm. So the way it works is each player has 40 seconds uh, once it's their turn to hit a golf ball um, to hit. Mm-hmm. So what I'll do is, you know, I'll, I'll remind them of that, the 40 second rule, just so everybody's on the same page. And so what happens is once a player gets a bad timing, um, let's say he took 45 seconds, I'll go mm-hmm. up to that player and say, you know, hey, John, you know, I, I timed you at 45 seconds there. This is your first warning. Um, and I generally this, we don't go this far on pace of play, but I'm just giving you kind of the next steps. Um, so once you get that first bad time, it's a warning. Once the player gets a second bad time, it's a one stroke penalty. Once they get a third bad time, it's a two stroke penalty. Um, and kind of after that, it's, it's supposed to be a disqualification. Like I said, I've never gotten past maybe a one stroke penalty and that's happened maybe once or twice in my seven years of doing this. Yeah. Um, but it's really, while you have to say something to the entire group when you approach them, that one player that might be slow is probably going to be the one that gets penalized, not the entire group. 
So I think that's the bit, like I said, the biggest misnomer is when they think, you know, your group's being timed and let's say one player has a bad time that everybody's going to get a penalty stroke. No, it would just be that player that has the bad time. Yeah. So you mentioned, uh, you know, Tennessee being the fifth ranked on junior golf scoreboard, which is quite incredible. What do you think, you know, what you're doing with Sneds Tour is great and certainly growing everything, but what other influencing factors do you think makes Tennessee such a big junior golf state? I think the amount of opportunities that we have, um, you know, we've got the Sneds Tour. Um, we have maybe one or two AJGA events. Um, we've got the Mid-South Tour, which is an up-and-coming golf tour. We've got the Southern States Tour um, that's headquartered here in Tennessee, um, you've got us kids events, you've got the under armor tour. So the amount of opportunities, and we don't really look at those other tours as competition. We look at them as, Hey, they're providing more opportunities for our junior golfers, right? The more opportunities that we can provide for our junior golfers. I think the better it will make them over the long run. So yeah, we'd love them to play in SNEDS, but let's say for these open series events that filled up in one minute, you know, instead of a kid not being able to play this weekend, I'd rather him be able to play on another tour than not play at all. That's right. the way I look at it. So I think it goes back to the amount of opportunities that kids have here locally where they're not having to travel, you know, to other states uh, to do that. Yeah. Well, and something that was big for me that kind of goes under Tennessee Golf Foundation as well as the TMSGA, the Tennessee Middle School Golf Association. So that's kind of where I started uh, my sixth grade year in terms of junior golf, uh, especially, you know, really competitively. And that really helped to uh, give me good experience before starting on SNEDS tour. You know, how do you plan to continue to grow golf with TMSGA? Yeah. So my coworker, Lisa Bradford, she actually runs the TMSGA and she does a great job with it. Um, I think they're up to around 14 to 15. 1500 kids, which is crazy to think about. Yeah. Um, so you've got to be, as you touched on a sixth or eighth grader. Um, even if you're homeschooled, we have some opportunities as for you to play as an individual. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think each year, you know, that associate TMSGA is growing and adding more schools, which, you know, is promising because it's almost like a feeder as you touched on for the SNEDS tour. Um, mm -hmm. You know, in the TMSGA, they have a triple bogey max, uh, whereas on the SNEDS tour, we don't have, I mean, we have a max of 12 for our younger divisions. Mm -hmm. um, but some of those kids in the TMSGA, you know, bless their hearts, they, this is their first, you know, exposure to golf and they are, yeah. you know, oh, maxing yeah. out almost on every hole, which is tough. Um, but, you know, it can really only go up from there. And at least you've got them out, you know, playing on a golf course. Exactly. Um, so the TMSGA is like you touched on, it's really instrumental to kind of being a feeder, you know, exposure to golf for kids that have never picked up a club before and um, kind of start out with that. And, you know, also we've got, we're blessed to have uh, golf house, Tennessee. Um, you know, our office is out in uh, Franklin at golf house and we're surrounded by a, an exceptional par three course, the little course that's actually maintained by Vanderbilt legends club. And, you know, every Every afternoon, I'd say March through, you know, October, they have after school clinics for kids or, you know, PGA Junior League is playing out there. Um, the amount of opportunities just at Golf House alone are, are crazy. Um, and, you know, the SNEDS tour is blessed with, 
you know, a lot of these other programs, you know, starting the kids. Um, because by the time they play on the SNEDS tour, they probably played or had some lessons or clinics somewhere else. Mm -hmm. um, generally, we don't have many kids just pick up a club and start playing in tournaments because that can be kind of demoralizing as a beginner yeah. to be oh, playing yeah. against somebody that's been playing for years. Um, yeah. So, like I said, it, it all goes back to the opportunities. And we're just very blessed here in Tennessee to have so many people have the same passion that I do for junior golf. Um, and it's, it's great. Yeah. So for people who may be listening to this podcast, who have looked at SNED's tour or maybe playing their first event this year, what advice do you have for them to kind of prepare and get ready for it? I would just say to set some short-term goals, you know, let's say you're just starting tournament competition. Maybe your goal is not to win every event. Maybe it's to, you know, let's say you shot a hundred in your first event. Maybe by the end of June, your goal is to start shooting in the nineties consistently, or, you know, by August, start shooting in mid eighties. I mean, a lot of these kids put so much pressure on themselves right out of the gate and golf is a very challenging sport. Um, you know, I sometimes enjoy go to going and playing with some of my friends or going to top golf and, some of my friends that have never played just think it's so easy and they're just going to get up there and hit it 300 yards and they go and whiff on the ball. So yeah, um, it's a very challenging sport and just set some long-term goals or some short-term goals and try to accomplish those. And if you're accomplishing your short-term goals over the long-term, you're going to hit your long-term goal. Um, and just don't get frustrated by it. Um, golf is a very frustrating game. I get it. Um, but what I see the biggest advice is some of these kids, they get so down on themselves after a bad hole um, that it really messes up their, their mental game and golf is so mental. So mm -hmm. if we can keep a positive outlook, everybody's going to hit bad shots, you know, Brant Snedeker, you know, Justin Thomas, everybody hits bad shots, but it's how do we learn and focus on our next shot right away? And I think that's what made Tiger so great is he talks about his mental game and how, you know, he would hit a bad shot and get frustrated, but his focus is going straight to his next shot. It's not thinking about his, his last shot that was poorly hit struck. Mm -hmm. um, so my biggest advice would just be to, to stay positive out there, to enjoy it and really think on those short-term goals and just getting better each and every day. Yeah. I'm so glad you mentioned goals because that's such a big part of what I talk about on this podcast and how to formulate both short and long-term goals and how they should be, you know, uh, process oriented rather than performance oriented. Cause you really can't control if, if there's lightning and the tournament gets canceled or sec day two gets canceled and you were going to shoot your lowest round of 64, you know, so keeping those goals performance based, I think helps a lot too, or right. process based. And I would say, you know, for a lot of these kids that are playing in two day tournaments and looking to play at the next level collegiately, you know, what I see a lot of is they'll play poorly the first day and they'll almost want to withdraw. Well, number one, no college coach wants a kid that wants to quit after they have a bad day or wants mm -hmm. to quit on their team. They yeah. want to see how you respond after. Because like I said, everybody has bad days. So how do you respond to that bad round? Do you back it up with another poor round because you're still stuck on yesterday's round? Or do you let that round go and focus on, hey, I'm going to be the most improved person today at this tournament. Um, mm -hmm. It's all about that positive mentality and, and moving on from the, the tough shots or the tough rounds. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. So some, I, I guess kind of the final different type of event uh, from the other events Sneds offers is the uh, tour championships, the middle East and West, and then uh, the tournament of champions. How are those events different from the other events? And, you know, what can people expect with those? Yeah. So we actually changed. Um, so in the summer, uh, when we're running about 125 events over that nine week period, it's kind of our biggest season. So we like to have a summer season ending championship. Um, so ages 12 to 18, you're either put in a tour division or a master's division. Uh, if you're in one of our five master's divisions, um, you are eligible to qualify for the tournament of champions, which this year's tournament of champions, we've actually put together a five-year rotation. Uh, it used to be held at the golf club of Tennessee, mm-hmm. but this five-year rotation um, starting this year is going to be at Hillwood country club. Next year, it's going to be at Richland country club. Ooh, okay. uh, the following year, Bellmead country club. Uh, the year after that, back at the golf club of Tennessee. And then in five years, it'll be at the honors club, Oh uh, wow! Course, which is a, nice. an incredible five-year rotation. Exactly. Um, yeah. And it gives the kids kind of a different idea to play these premier clubs around the state. Um, But anyway, the top so many kids um, in each of our five master's divisions qualify for the Tournament of Champions event. Um, So we have five master's divisions and it breaks down to 75 players. So it's like 27 in our oldest boys division, 15 in our 13 to 15 division, 15 in each of our girls divisions and then nine in our youngest uh, master's division, which is the boys 13 and under. Um, So in the past, what we've, how we've um, handled qualifying for that event is called the adjusted scoring average. So as most people on this podcast are probably familiar, each course has a course rating. Um, So what you do is you multiply the score you shot that day by the rating, the difficulty of the course which computes your adjusted uh, rating for that day. Um, But this year, moving forward, what we're going to do is go strictly off the junior golf scoreboard rankings. So it's still going to stay the same, the top 27 boys, the breakdown in each of our five masters division. So anyone can register for our tournament of champions and they'll kind of work like our elite series events where the top 27 oldest boys, you know, can, qualify in that division, 15 in our youngest boys and so on. Um, But it's going to be strictly based on JGS rankings because what we found is people really only want to play at that level in two-day tournaments. So that's why we've added so many two-day tournaments this year is to, you know, accompany the opportunities for people to play in those events. Um, So if you aren't able to to qualify for the tournament of champions, We have other opportunities, which are called our summer regional championships. So there will be four of those. There will be one in the Memphis area, uh, one in the Middle Tennessee area, one in the Chattanooga area, and then one in East Tennessee. So if you don't qualify for TOC, you're eligible to play in one of those regionals. And also, if you're in one of our five tour divisions, you can play in one of those regionals as well. So we want to allow everybody the opportunity to kind of play in one of our summer season ending championships. Yeah, that's I really like what you've done there with both rotating the tournament of champions uh, courses and also allowing not only the tour, but the master's division who didn't make into the tournament champions to play those other events. 
Um, right. Because last year we had, and it'll probably be similar this year, but we had over 500 juniors in a master's division and only yeah. the top 75 can qualify for TOC. So right. it's like those other 425 to 450 don't have a season ending tournament they can play in. So that's why we changed that and allowed them to play in one of our regionals across the state. Yeah. So we've covered a lot of really insightful information. It's been incredible to see exactly, you know, what you do and what what all goes behind the scenes with Sned's tour. And because it, it's such a it's been so influential in my golf career, just like it has been for many others in the state. Uh, I know we touched on a little bit of what's coming for Sned's tour, but overall, you know, over the next, you know, one, three, five years, what do you see happening with Sned's tour? I see the SNEDS tour hopefully evolving into a regional tour. Um, you know, as I touched on earlier, our mission aligns with Brant Mandy's on keeping this affordable, keeping this tour both affordable and accessible. And the the more we can spread out and branch out across the southeast, I don't know if it'll ever become a national tour, but at least a southeastern tour and provide those affordable and accessible opportunities, the better. Um, it's going to be trial and error. As I said earlier, you know, we're going to be in nine states this year and maybe some of the cities that we're in were, are not the best targets. So, you know, maybe, you know, let's say we have one in Birmingham and we only have 20 kids registered. Well, maybe next year we'll go to Huntsville or we'll go somewhere else in Alabama. And Mm -hmm. so it's just finding those pockets where there's a need for more opportunities. And, you know, as we touched on earlier, that's what makes Tennessee golf so special are the opportunities. So if we can provide some more affordable and accessible opportunities and have more of a reach, southeastern reach, as opposed to a Tennessee, I think that'd be a huge impact in not only affecting Tennessee kids, but affecting kids in nine different states. The better we can make junior golf as a whole, you know, nationally, I think the better it will be you know, it's the future of the game. And, you know, again, going back to those um, PGA professionals, um, they see that these are their future members of the game that are playing in these tournaments. This is the future of golf. Mm -hmm. And if we're not keeping it healthy um, and continually, you know, creating more opportunities, um, I'm not saying it's going to go away, but it won't be as healthy as it is now. Right. Um, So that would be probably my my one to three year goal of the SNEDS tour would be to, to have more of a regional f- footprint as opposed to just a Tennessee footprint. Yeah. Well, I certainly, I look forward to playing my SNEDS tour events this year and seeing how it grows. Uh, where can people find out more about you and more about the SNEDS tour? Yeah. So our website is snedstour.org. So that's S N E D S tour.org uh if you want to email me directly again my email is r cherry so r c h e r r y at tngolf.org um and really the sneds tour as i touched on we've got 15 different divisions so we really have an age level and ability level for anybody between the ages of 4 to 19 yeah well thank you once again for joining me today rob You're welcome. Have a great rest of your day, Carter, and look forward to seeing you soon.